0: Hello, and welcome to the Shmuel House podcast. My name is Shmuel Tenenhouse, and this is my podcast. So, jumping right into this, I think the whole idea of friends with benefits has been something like misconstrued and it's less available to married people. And I just think that there is a place for friends with benefits in our from community and I'm encouraging it. However, let me explain to you what I mean by that. So I have a friend who has a spa in the condo that he lives in and he also has you know it's got steam he's got a dry a dry spa he is somebody that i want to keep as a friend now i'm not his friend just because of the benefits but he is more of a priority friend because he does come with benefits and that benefit is if i want to have a good night and spend no money I can go to his building, Valet is free, and I mean, they're expecting a tip, but I always expect not to tip them, and I get to use his schvitz for free. So what I'm saying is you have a friend that has a benefit to him. For example, he he owns a bakery. That is a friends with benefit that if I were in your situation, I would really lean into that friendship, and again, I'm not saying you know, kick out another friend who doesn't have any benefits. I'm just saying is know which one of your friends come with benefits and take full advantage of that. And again, I'm not saying that if my friend moves into a different building, I'm not going to call him every day. I'll probably call him a little less, but I'm still going to call him and I'll be like, hey, did you move into a new building yet with a spa? Because I'll I'll call you every day if you do. Uh, I want to next, uh, publicly go on the record and state that, uh, I definitely have a cheesecake problem. And that is if there is cheesecake in the fridge and I open up the fridge, I'm definitely going to be having a piece of cheesecake, regardless of what time of day it is. Uh, the problem, it may not seem as severe as, as, as it sounds like, but when I open the fridge, I actually hear the the cheesecake talking to me and saying things like, Hey, w- w- what else are you gonna pick in here? You're gonna take a fruit? You're gonna take a f- vegetable? You know cheesecake is your favorite food. It's so dense and so delicious. Have a piece of the cake. And uh, so uh, that is uh, definitely a challenge for me, especially this time of year, post when there's obviously lots of leftover cheesecake in, in every fridge in the house. And you open up the fridge, and there's a problem. I want to tell you, basically describe the level of uh, issues I have with cheesecake in terms of it being a, a personal challenge that I will never overcome. So, you know, they tell kids stranger danger. If I was walking to show with my kids on Shabbos, and a strange car just pulled up alongside and said, hey, sir, get in, we have cheesecake. I would tell my kids, hey, kids, it's been nice. I love you guys so much. But there's cheesecake in this car, and I have to go into this car. And whoever's listening to this, please don't use this as entrapment because I just gave this away. Now, as you know, the days of Sphira have come to an end. I know people who are so religious, they actually have a countdown to the next Sphira Because that's how much they enjoy counting— And they want to just be in a constant state of of waking up in the middle of the night in a cold sweat, wondering, hey, did I count Sphira tonight or did I not count Sphira? And now they have something else to wake them up in the middle of the night. So people have the custom not to listen to music during Sphira. Now that Sphira is over, a new phenomena has entered the realm of the from community, I would say, and that is that I know personally a handful of people who are revenge listening to music right now. So, let's say when there was COVID in China, uh, you know, when the economy started to reopen, like the analysts were saying, okay, people are doing revenge shopping because they weren't able to go out before. Now they're doing revenge spending. So, they're spending even more. So, th- I know people that were. Particular about not listening to music in Milosfira, and now they're trying to catch up for lost time. So what they'll do is they'll actually have two songs playing at the same time. They'll have like one portable music player, one that's kind of plugged into a wall, and they'll listen to to both. Another example of revenge uh, music listening to compensate for the missing uh, music that happened during Sfira is there are people who listen now on a much louder vo- vo- a much louder volume. Sorry, I I would just that came out so fast, a much louder volume. And I'll be like, hey, can you put that down? And they were like, well, I didn't listen to music for 49 days. I would really like to keep it as loud as possible. Uh, and other people will just, they won't turn it off. Even when the, the family is going to sleep and the music is glaring in the house, they feel, well, we couldn't listen to music for such a long time. Now everybody's going to have to listen to this music even during the nighttime. It, it's a little extreme, but I guess I can understand it. I want to dish some uh, marriage advice, uh, particularly because it is a topic I'm extremely unqualified to dish advice on, and that is that, and this is, by the way, goes to all the men out there. This is not for the women because the women, you as a species are perfect, and the husband is the problem, Let's, let's face it here. The husband... 100% of the problems for all marriages is the husband's. And like we know the famous saying, happy wife, happy wife. Basically, if your wife is happy, your wife will be happy. You won't necessarily be happy, but the wife is happy. So now let's talk about the problems that exist in a marriage and how husbands could avoid it. Here's what you got to do, husbands out there. You have to stop helping your spouse. I know because I made the mistake of helping and telling my dear wife that I was helping, which got her very upset, and I'm about to explain it to you because I think this is a lesson that every man needs to hear, and I'm happy to be the messenger. When you tell your wife that you're helping, it comes across as the responsibility is all hers. She has to carry the entire load, the physical load, the mental load, the emotional load, and now you're coming and you're saying, can I help? Can I do a little stickle? Something like, like you're volunteering or that there's a big trailer and they're taking blood donations and you are gonna come and help and give a little blood. But that's a problem because your wife wants you to be in it, like a partnership. She's suffering because she's thinking about all the things that have to happen and you are coming along with your eh, helping, I helped. That is not what we need, guys. You need to be there with her. So potentially other language that works is, first of all, you tell your wife, look, I'm not interested in helping, I don't help. Help, no, that, that's for a stranger on the street, a volunteer, a homeless person could come to our house if he wants, he could help. But for you, my wife, I'm not helping. We are partners same team. We are on the same team except when we argue, we're on two different teams, but right now, same team. What can we do together right now as a team to make everything work a lot better? But don't make the mistake that I did to try to tell your spouse that you're helping because it's really not any not helpful. Just to back this up with an anecdote, uh, Pesach was a couple of Uh, A month and a half, two months ago, almost two months now. Wow. And there's a lot that goes into planning for Pesach. The house has to get turned over. You have to buy truckloads of lemons that come to the house, and they just dump it onto your front lawn. Now, I made sure that I was doing my token helping for Pesach, which was that I have a friend in Seattle. He's not even my friend, but he makes cherry smoked salmon so my wife did everything for pesach all i did was i arranged for my friend to to ship me 10 pounds of cherry smoked salmon now whenever my wife would then tell me something that's going on for pesach i would say yeah i know it's super stressful about turning the house around but i sure hope that shipment of cherry smoked salmon those 10 pounds make it you know it's got to go in a truck and they have to move it onto an airplane and a carry do it And no matter what she was talking about Pesach, I reverted to the cherry-smoked salmon because that was my hishtadlus, that was my hishtatlus, that was my participation. Again, the problem is, is that this is an example of helping because I'm helping, you're doing everything, I'm doing a little help and I'm getting the salmon and the salmon, by the way, was delicious and we still are eating from it Pesach time. At this time, I I do want to share that I have a friend Hu Hashem is marrying off a child. And what's going on right now is there's is a lot of prep about the hall and the music and refinancing the home to pay for some of the flowers and the jewelry and the clothing. But what my friend is really busy with is he wants his lawn to look like a wasp lives there. Because he wants... The in-laws, the future in-laws, or what we fer- refer to as the machatanim, he wants them to come and say, "This is your house. The lawn is too nice to be your house. This cannot be a Jewish home." And and I know this because I've seen him marry off other kids. And as emotionally is about marrying off his kids, he is most focused to make sure all the patches of grass look like one beautiful green sky, and that the hedges are trimmed. In fact the last marriage that he made, uh, as part of family pictures, when they did family pictures, at the hall, he actually had some of his kids schlep the hedges from his house, so you can see the family, and the hedges now, those perfectly Christian hedges, together look perfect as one happy family, and let's let's wish him a, a very hearty mazel tov. The next thing is, I want to give a recap of, I did a second open mic night. The first one was in Dania, which is closer to my house. And the last one that I did was about two weeks ago. It was in Miami, Doral area. How did it go? That's the question that nobody's asking me. And so such a demand to understand what happened, I'll explain to everybody what happened. First of all, tremendous amount of pressure because not only did my wife, God bless her, show up and encourage me. But some of my friends and other family came, including a female cousin who I discovered actually put her shaitel on to come to the comedy club. And this person typically does not wear her shaitel. And it's possible that shaitel hasn't been worn for six to 12 months. And now because of me, she has to put on this whole new shaitel. And so there's a lot of pressure getting up there on stage knowing there's a lot of, you know, there's hundreds of guys. I got to make a laugh, but there's a Jewess in the crowd who's wearing a shetel now. She had to put it on and she had to straighten it and all because of me. And I think what ended up happening was I was so much under pressure that potentially, uh, you know, uh, I got, I think I got fewer laughs as a result because of all the, all the stress That was going on but we had some good jokes in there Uh, definitely uh, share it you know one 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 or two seconds at a time and uh, the first joke that I started with uh, didn't go over so well and we can do a little post uh, open mic analysis so the first joke I started off with was what is what are the qualifications to go and do open mic like can anybody just go and do open mic so I said the criteria is you need to have an email address, and you need to be able with an internet connection, and you need to be able to ask via email if you can do a couple of minutes. That is the sum total of the requirements. Now, the reason why I think that that didn't go over so well is number 1, I'm pretty much making fun of all the comics and the audience there because they're listening to somebody with zero qualifications. Two, it's also very possible that it wasn't the best joke. I, I I'm not going to say that with 100% certainty, but that is potentially something uh, that we can say. One, one uh, positive that came out of it, there was somebody who came from our community, and he told me that I inspired him that he is now going to work on his comedy set. So apparently now everybody can do it, and uh, I give everybody full permission to go ahead and go do open mic. All, like I said, all you need is, is, uh, is, a, is an email address, and one other thing that I know that it wasn't as successful as the first time around is because uh, when I was on the way there driving to the comedy club with my dear wife, I was trying to tell her about work and I started this new uh, public relations agency and she was kind of uh, you know, very deep into her Instagram reels when I was trying to tell her what was going on uh, in terms of our livelihood. However, uh, on the way back, uh, after I had give an okay but semi-okay performance at the open mic, she was a lot more attentive to all work-related things that we were discussing the way back home because I think she was thinking, hey, this guy's not going to make it as a comic, so let's figure out how we are going to pay the bills because I don't think he's going to do it from comedy. Th- that's just the take that I, that I took from it. Now, uh, I actually felt a a lot better. I'm reading uh, a Seinfeld book very slowly because the library, thank you, has killed all uh, return fees and fines, which means that we get to hold our library books forever. And like adults with children, read a paragraph or two each week until by the end of our lives, we can finish one book. So it's a comedy book by Jerry Seinfeld and it's called Is This Anything? And in the intro, he writes about uh, you know, how every he loves to win or lose clear proposition that there is for comedy and how it's literally going to war to get laughs. And that is completely how I felt. I will be doing uh, more open mic in the near future. I will keep you posted. I do uh, cr- give credit to uh, Donald Trump, who wants to increase his odds as being the Republican nominee And he has agreed that if nominated as the Republican nominee, then he will wear a muzzle for his first two years in office. And I have to say that is quite brilliant because a lot of people would vote for him except for the fact that he talks. And so this idea that he he promises or is campaigning on the fact that he will wear a muzzle, uh, also referred to as muzzle reform, this could potentially increase his chances of securing that nomination. Uh, another thing that we have to talk about is lately, uh, it was mainly last week, everywhere I was walking around, I was making sure as I was walking through a door to lower my head. And in general, I was kind of sitting and walking like this, which according to the, my, my wife is anyways, I'm rounding and so rounding my back. And so, I was just making sure not to hit my head on the ceiling because uh, there's the there's a debt ceiling that's looming, and everybody's aware of it. and it it seems like we have solved the problem. But uh, let me just say, you know there's a problem when the banks are running out of the out of money and shutting down. And now the government says, we don't have any money. The printer is out of ink. We're not sure exactly what to do. But like I said, it looks like we've managed to avert a massive crisis that we had on our hands. Next thing I want to get to is talking about how kids today have zero patience, and they expect everything to happen at the speed of light. So when we were growing up, you know, if I wanted something like a shirt or a pants, pants, we would you know, potentially order it from the Land's End catalog or maybe online already. And we wait, you know, six to eight weeks, maybe rush shipping two weeks to get it. These days, my kids will place an order online after telling me that I need to order something from them online right away because they haven't gotten anything uh, today new. And so I'll order something and then my child will ask, is it here? And I'm like, yeah, it's right here. Here is the email confirmation with your order number. Now you can see it. There's soon going to come a tracking link. Everything is going to be here. So he says, no, no, I'm not talking about the email. You fool. I'm talking about my package is my package here. Well, I said, well, we just, we just ordered it. He said, I know, but it was like five minutes ago. So maybe my package will be here. And so I have to break the news that, no, potentially it's going to only come in a few hours or maybe, God forbid, it's going to come tomorrow morning. My kids are actually, this is true, will stop a FedEx or UPS driver when we're walking to show back and forth on Shabbos and ask them, hey, are they coming to our house? Do they have their package? They will give the guy their address and see if, you know, he's bringing it for them. And again, we did not expect things to happen so quickly. You ask your parents for something. They'll be like, okay, we're going to get it this month, next month, next year. Can you wait next year till next year to get the new pair of pants? You have to get the new pair of pants now. When I was a kid, there was nothing. We didn't have anything. We were just, we were dead as kids. We, we, we were born and we were just dead until the 80s and the 90s came around and everybody now is alive. So I want to... Uh, in, in the spirit of transparency, I want to shift over now to uh, – I talk a lot about Shabbos meals, a big part of our culture, and Yom Tif meals, and I want to share two Shabbos meal fails where we were hosting, and when I say we, I mean my wife is doing everything, and I basically invite the people and take as much credit as possible. So the, these are, uh, like I said – Uh, Shabbos meal fails or Shabbos guest fails. And I want to share it as more of a cautionary tale and a public service announcement to potentially, if somebody else can avoid the predicaments that I found myself in these two times, perhaps this disclosure will be worth it. First one. So this was in South Florida. I invited somebody to our home. Now, this person who came to our home uh, he is the equivalent of, I would say, a bear in a human body. So I would say, can't really tell the difference between him or a bear. He has uh, a beard and sits, so I think you can tell uh, You know, when, when he's in 10, 10, 15 feet that he's human and not a bear. But he's the size and the girth and, and the same ferociousness if, you, if we can use that term now, uh, and from what I understand, on weekends, he will actually go out and wrestle with bears and alligators just for fun. That's what he does. He's also a celebrated member of Atsala. Now we had him over for Shabbos that week that I chose to invite him. My wife decided to make a par of meal. She went vegan for that Shabbos. A lot of nice things the problem is that this Hatzalem member slash bear who tried to join MMA and they said, hey, listen, uh, everybody's going to be afraid when you step into the rink. This needs to be a, a sport of competition. You can't be in it. And so he comes over and he sees that we're serving him basically grass and also little beans and uh, I see his, his claws at the table are, are getting, like, restless. And we made it through a meal. Possibly there was uh, maybe Maybe he, he filled himself on challah or he went outside during the meal and potentially ate a tree or a complete bush with berries on it. And now whenever I see him, he says, when am I going to get invited to another vegetarian meal? And my wife says, how could you invite this guy the week that we are having a vegetarian meal? This guy looks like a bear, and he needs to eat meat, a lot of meat, with blood spurting out of that meat. So that's that's story number one, okay? And, I, and when, even when he comes for our telecalls these days, uh, I do see him, like, eyeing the Shabbos table, and he's in his head thinking, you know, where's, where's all those uh, vegetables and fruit that you served me here when I came here for Shabbos? The second one was also a guy who... Was is taller than me and bigger than me. He worked at Boeing. This is a Seattle story. And I invited him for a meal for Shabbos, him and his wife. And he says to me, are you sure we're invited? Did you run this by your wife? And I said, run this by my wife? I didn't run it yet by my wife, but this is a sure thing. She's for sure going to be okay with you coming. What is the big deal? And then I told my wife that, hey, we're having these new this new couple over. And she says, well, we have other plans or this week is not going to work. Basically, I didn't check with her beforehand. And so I said, like, what, what are we supposed to do? And so we had no choice. I basically had to go uninvite this friend for Shabbos. So this is basically a clawback clause for inviting somebody. So I have to call him up and I said, do you remember that invitation I gave you? Uh, I regret to inform you that I'm going to have to take that invitation back. And obviously, this made him laugh very much at my expense. And whenever I would see him again in shul, he said, hey, you're going to invite me again and then uninvite me. And then when we actually did have him over for a meal, there was a lot of PTSD that he had. He said, are you sure you're not going to invite me? Are you sure it's real? Are you sure it's legit? And so this is my advice to people. If you're going to invite people to your home... Speak with your wife beforehand to make sure you're on the same page, so you don't have to be in the situation that I was in when I had to do a Shabbos meal uninvitation. People have asked me, like, what is what's your goal with the podcast and the comedy? Like, is there an end game here? Like, are you trying to get rich or famous? I have to level with everybody, and that is, uh, I do have a secret goal in mind. And that is, I want to parlay everything that I do, the comedy, the podcast, into a free Pesach program uh, that I'll be invited to entertain. So I tell my friend, local person, we've had him on the podcast before, his name is Rabbi Label Miller, I said, listen, Modi does a lot of events at hotels, Pesach programs, I should be able to do it too. He says, well, you have a family with a lot of kids, you know, they're going to pay for you, what about your kids? And so that is a very simple answer to that question. Number one, I tell my kids, hey, kids, daddy got a free Pesach program. He's going to make some jokes. You kids can work in the kitchen at the hotel. One of you will check the the vegetables for uh, bugs. Another Another one of you will cut potatoes. Remember, we were always trying to give you chores in the house, and you didn't take it seriously. Well, now, if you want to eat and sleep inside for Pesach, you're going to really have to work it out with the hotel. But... I'm gonna be there in case you need any help. The second thing is we just send them to their grandparents for Pesach. Uh, So that would be also something that uh, works out very well. And my wife is a photographer, she's a therapist. She can give people therapy while they're there. She can do photography. We come as a couple, we come as a team. If you own or run a Pesach program, I would love to entertain your guests during the Pesach program. Please get in touch with my agent. Let's talk about, because we live in Florida, and we are pretty much, we live in a swamp where houses and strip malls have been created, so you really need to have uh, a pest control plan here even before you take care of your life insurance. You got the iguanas, you got the cockroaches, and now we are dealing with a fly issue. And I I think this is not a fly-by-night concept. I think this is gonna be around for a while. It's the summer, the garbage is hot, The flies love what we're putting in every Shabbos and stuff like that. Lots of leftovers get thrown into that garbage, so we have flies. So I presented to my spouse a cohesive plan of how we are going to tackle the flies. So the first thing is I copied my brother-in-law. I got one of those lights, those blue lights that go in your house or outside, and it zaps the flies. So I could be having a bad day. My wife could be having a bad day because I am having a bad day because I'm manifesting uh, corpse energy into the house. And I will hear a zap, and I'll know that a fly just got electrocuted, and I'll be in a much better mood because there's one less fly. That's number one. Number two, I don't have to re- return the fly zapper that I bought because it's working, and who likes to deal with returns? And number three, my wife feels like, hey, at least her husband is... Not helping, God forbid, but together in the situation with her. So that's the first thing. Obviously, I bought the cheapest version possible. So it's mainly killing fruit flies. Also, it doesn't really kill them 100%. It just kind of makes them wounded. We have a bunch of wounded flies kind of now limping around the house. The second thing we did was, this was advice from a friend who said, hey, my mom, near her garbages, she hangs this bag and it has chemicals, which that was the second piece of my multi-pronged attack of the, of the fly situation going on defense. And so what we did was I got those fly, I got those bags to hang out. And what I realized is very quickly, as good as those bags are at killing flies, they're even better at attracting them in the first place. And when you have thousands of flies literally that go into that bag, they start breeding new flies So now, basically, not only do we have the old flies, we have thousands of new ones. They're breeding new generations, and I had to take that bag out and toss it in the garbage. And now we're back to square one, and it's less of an issue because, again, we don't have those thousands of bags, thousands of flies that were in that bag. I do not recommend that bag situation for anybody, unless there's somebody you really don't like who has a fly problem and you want it to get much worse. I'll send you the link of what they buy for them. The last thing I want to talk about is uh, something uh, something that people to keep their their minds open to. And uh, I want to put this delicately. I know this is a more of a serious situation, and uh, it is a hot button topic. And obviously, I'm talking about uh, the trans community. And because uh, I'm aware that some kids will listen to my podcaster and carpool we're going to refer to it as uh you know trends so they know exactly what we're talking about so you can turn this off now and come back to this later and basically again i know there's a lot of considerations and so many so many implications that are involved with this but the way that i see it is not everything should be shunned immediately because sometimes something that looks like a problem could potentially be a solution for the community and people. Here's what I mean. For years, I've heard Shatchanim and people trying to make matches tell me, you know, it's a boy's world. There are too many boys, not, sorry, too many girls. Let me, let me take that back. Let me start again. So confused. There are too many girls Not enough guys. All the good guys are taken. It's so difficult to be a single girl, but a single guy people don't look at like that they're crazy. So I'm saying I'm not necessarily recommending this. All I'm saying is potentially we have what looks like a problem that could be a solution. Because if there are more women than men that are single within the community. Potentially, I'm just saying, if some of them would have a transgender surgery, they would go from the women's team, now they're going to be on the men's team. And all of a sudden, what seemed like very, very lopsided, a lot of women, all of a sudden, women in our community are starting to make the transition, and now it's kind of 50-50, and now everything is kind of equal where you have equal amount of girls and boys, and there is a solution to the fact that, wait a second, there's way too many girls, what are they all supposed to do? Again, I'm not saying you have to do this, what I'm just saying is, if it's a very, very, very crazy situation, and people don't know what to do, this is something else to explore and put out there as a potential solution for all from communities. Thank you very much, everybody, for tuning in to the Shmuel 10 podcast.